Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about the hardest job I've ever had. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Now, before we get started, just a brief update. This is what I was up to. So last week I was in Dallas. I was doing a dinner at Jose restaurant with several other chefs, Anastasio Quinones, Philip Spear, Rick Lopez, myself, got together part of the Texas Food and Wine Alliance Wine and Dine series. It was good. I did a, I talked about this on the last week's podcast. I did a, a grilled octopus dish with a timer and glaze and a pea, pipian, which is you got to think of it like a, a sauce made from pumpkin seeds, Mexican sauce. Anyway, it was good. I was happy with it. I loved the flavor of it. It was a good event. If you were in Dallas for that, thank you for coming out. It was a great success. Packed house. As soon as I got back, my next stop was in San Antonio, Texas. I was doing a leadership class out in San Antonio. Quick trip in and out, one day leadership seminar. But while I was there, I was staying at the Hotel Emma. So if you're in San Antonio, stay at the Hotel Emma. It's really nice, honestly. I stay at a lot of hotels because of what I do, so I'm, I'm a bit of a digital nomad where probably the majority of the time I'm on the road. I don't even know why I, I live in one location these days. I should just get a backpack and travel. Anyway, when I was at the Hotel Emma, they have a great shower. Like you, I measure a lot of places based on the shower, like when you're talking about hotels. And like shower pressure, I love a shower that has high pressure. So Hotel Emma, not only does the water get hot, but it has great shower pressure. Good hotel. It's beautiful. I don't know if it's a five-star hotel. I think it is. If they're not a five-star hotel, they should be. But anyway, they got a great food scene right there at the Pearl. So the Culinary Institute of America is right there in San Antonio. A lot of small restaurants. They have a food hall. This was a quick trip for me. So I actually had a quick burger at Henbit, which was really good. Anyway, we're getting way off subject. We digress. Some quick updates. All the books are live on Audible now, so all five of the books that I've written also have audiobook companions. I am working right now currently on translating the books into Spanish, so Culinary Leadership Fundamentals was the first one that I did. I just finished that today. All the translation is done. Now I just got to work on formatting. Let's say it takes me a week. If you were looking to purchase that book in Spanish, I will have it available by the end of the week, I promise. I can't promise that it'll be accurate because... I don't have anyone to tell me if I'm wrong, so I'm just going to have to trust the translator. After that, I'll do the remaining books in Spanish, so that's, that's the next project that I'm working on. 
For those of you that know the backstory, the one thing I get requested for the most is the Happy Chef hat. I'm not wearing that today. I'm wearing a Jose hat from Jose in Dallas. But everyone always asks me, where could I get the Happy Chef hat? I can't sell it at the risk of losing my merchandise store. If I sell that hat, I'll lose the store. So I can't sell Happy Chef. But here's what I did. I don't know why it came to me so late. Someone messaged me or commented on one of the posts about the hat. And I was like, I could do Happy Cook because today's post was about Happy cooks make good food. I was like, I could do happy cook. So happy chef is no longer available. It won't be available, but happy cook is. And it's a stoic face and it says happy cook. It's sarcastic. So if you get easily offended by stoic faces that say the word happy, I'm sorry, you got a lot of issues if you get offended by stoic faces that say happy. Go get the hat. It's available. You go to chefspsa.com, you can see the store. Also in the link tree and on my social channels, you can see that. Speaking of social channels, we need to get people on Twitter. Chef Twitter has the biggest opportunity to grow the community. Like Chef Instagram, it's a great resource for people to look at food and get visually inspired. However, the communication of ideas lacks. Podcasts are great for that. But I have a podcast. I'm talking to you all. No one's talking to each other. I think Chef Twitter is where the conversation can move forward. So if you all are not on Twitter, I suggest that we need to get a chef community on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. You could find me, Chef's PSA. I've also started putting all the previous Chef's PSA episodes, which didn't have video on YouTube. So I just finished the first one, which is Chef's PSA episode one. I put it on YouTube, but I added B-roll to it. It's fun for me because like now I'm learning how to edit videos to become a digital video editor. So it's a new skill that I'm adding to my toolbox of things that I know. The first one, uh, give me a break. Like it's the first one I've ever done with nothing but B-roll and audio behind it. But I want to try and do as many as the, as many of the old podcasts that didn't have video and put them on YouTube as I start to migrate over there as well. So I'll be, the podcast will be available everywhere. Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Amazon, Google podcasts, Audible. I don't, does anyone listen to podcasts on Audible? I don't. I just look to audio. Anyway, one thing that I should let everyone know, sign up for my newsletter. If you go to chefspsa.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. One of the reasons I started the newsletter was one, I just send out like little motivational tips, leadership, mindset, chef's PSA, and then something that I might be working on. But the real reason I started the newsletter is because I thought my Instagram account was going to get banned. It got banned like twice for no reason. People complained because I said a bad word. I don't know what I did. But anyway. People complained, I just lost my Facebook account and I have no idea why. I've never even posted anything on the Chef's PSA Facebook account and it got banned. I got a note that it was banned. So I just don't trust things sometimes. So if I happen to disappear off Instagram for a few days and you wonder what happened, I probably got banned. I'll try and get my account back. Hopefully I don't have to start it up under a different Chef's PSA, but you could always... But you can always follow me on the other social platforms, TikTok, YouTube, etc., Twitter. Last thing I want to update people on before we get into the meat of it is a mentorship program. A lot of people have been asking me about the mentorship program. I cannot take on any new mentees. I've said that in full. But I am thinking about starting a group. So maybe limited to just a few chefs that want that don't mind being in a mentee group. That's something that I will open up. I'm working on what that's going to look like right now. So for those of you that are interested, if you are interested, go to chefspsa.com. There's a contact form you can sign up if you're interested, and then we could begin the conversation. Most likely, it'll be over Zoom in a group. 
meet once a week, four times a month, and cover everything, leadership, marketing, difficult people, building your personal brand, and of course, like, how to be a chef. Anyway, speaking of how to be a chef, I often get asked, what's the worst job I've ever had? I wouldn't say this is the worst job I've ever had, but physically and mentally, it's the hardest job I've ever had, and it's more of a position, and that is the position of a banqueting chef or an events chef. A lot of people that work in hotels or work in catering work in banquets. And I'll tell you, early on in my career, I was working in restaurants and then I moved from restaurants. So I was a sous chef at a restaurant and then I moved into a banqueting sous chef position. I had zero experience in banquets and I remember being terrified when I walked into the banquet kitchen. So I don't know, I was like 22 years old and I was a banquet chef at a hotel. And for me, it was the most difficult position to adjust to from every other position that I've had in the kitchen. So I've said before, I've worked all areas of the kitchen, prep, garde manger, dishwasher, line cook, saute cook, butcher, saucier, etc. I've worked all positions in the kitchen. But when I got my first leadership position in banquets, the thing that terrified me the most about banquets was the mental aspect of it, how they knew how much chicken to order, how much beef to order, how much potatoes to prepare, how much sauce to make, when to fire things, when to start plating, how to organize yourself if you had multiple parties going on. I'm not going to lie, that shit was terrifying to me. And when I took on my first banquet sous chef job with zero banquet experience, I wasn't afraid of the cooking part, but I was petrified of the mental organization part. I'm not knocking working in catering operations because actually I think there's a, I think everyone should work in a catering operation because you will learn a lot. You'll learn how to be organized. You'll learn how to be timely. You get exposed to a variety of different cuisines. Like I often hear people say that they don't want to work in catering because the food's not as good as restaurants. And I think that's, I think that's not the right way to look at it because when you do work in catering, you get exposed to so much more than you do in a restaurant. So if, let's say you're working in a restaurant and you're working on a station, you're only exposed to the recipes and the dishes that are coming off your station. When you work in catering, especially if you're working in a big catering house, big convention hotel or something like that, the menu changes daily. Most likely you're doing three or four different types of cuisine a day. So you might be doing Italian, Mexican, barbecue, and French all for lunch. And so you're exposed to let's say 24 different main course items in a day where in a restaurant you're exposed to three or four dishes, you're learning so much more about food in a banquet and catering setting. Now, the one thing, like the argument could be made, but it's not as refined as restaurant food. And I agree with that. Banquet food typically isn't as refined as restaurant food, and that's because you're making it to scale. You're working in large volume. And so it's not that you're taking shortcuts, but you're finding the most efficient route to get it as close to the ideal state. In a restaurant, you usually have a cook that's more focused on a few dishes, where in a banquet operation, you have fewer cooks to do more dishes. But what made banquets so tough? For me, it was just the constant nonstop. So if there was a breakfast and you're the banquet chef, I had to be in early for breakfast. And if there was a dinner, I'd have to be there for dinner. So let's say I came in at three in the morning because I needed to make sure breakfast was done. I might have to stay till nine at night to make sure dinner was done. And in the restaurant, you really didn't have to worry about that because you came in 
if you worked the dinner shift or if you worked the morning shift, you just came in and then you left. But in banquets, it's like, nope, as a banquet chef, I had to go in when the banquet started and I had to leave when the banquets ended. Sometimes a lot of places have like an AM and PM banquet chef, but in smaller operations where you don't have multiple leads, you might be the only person that's there from morning to night. And it's difficult. And that's honestly one of the things that I, I used to say when I was working in a restaurant, I was talking to one of my buddies that was a corporate chef for a hotel chain. And he was asking me, he's like, do you want to come work at hotels? I said, absolutely not. I never want to wake up at 3 a.m. for a VIP breakfast for the ownership that doesn't give a shit. I never want to do that again. But that's that banquet life. You prepare pretty good food in most cases, but then all of a sudden you have a VIP come in and it's pulling out all the stops for people that are, are like not even paying usually. So these fam trips, which are groups that come into hotels that are basically there to be impressed and it's all free. And that's usually where you showcase your best stuff is usually on the free stuff versus the paid stuff. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a wild thing about banquet. I haven't been cooking in two years professionally since I've stepped out of the kitchen. And I've started focusing strictly on Chef's PSA, the podcast and the books and all that. But I occasionally still have nightmares about night stallions, one might say, because they're bigger than mares. That's a horse joke if it was lost to me. And the reoccurring dream that I have is that I'm several hours late to work and a banquet was supposed to go out and I haven't prepped it. Now, if you've worked in catering, you understand that fear. Like the reason it's the hardest job I've ever had is because I was, you're usually playing constant catch up, not in all cases, but in many cases you're playing constant catch up because you might have big spikes in business. So Everyone has been off and then they all have to come back and then it's a rush to get prepped up and ready. And you're in this constant fear of, am I going to be ready? Am I going to forget a party? Did I prep enough food? Did you order it? And the ability to mitigate in a catering operation is much more difficult than in a restaurant setting. I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you are working in a restaurant as a chef and you run out of chicken and maybe you need to sell 10 chickens, you can go to the store and most likely they have enough chicken to get you through. But if you're in a banquet setting and you forgot to order the chicken for a thousand people or 500 people, I doubt you're going to be able to walk in a store and I say, I need 500 chicken breasts or I need 500 New York strip steaks or whatever the case may be. It's not likely. So when you make a mistake in banquets, the consequences are much greater. The arguments with the catering managers, the guests who are walking around with clipboards to make sure that everything is just perfect and on time, the constant fear that you're going to run out of food or that you've prepped too much and you're going to be left with food for days that you got to deal with and you got to figure out what to do with it. It's a very strange dynamic in, in banquets. Like in a restaurant, it's normally rush, then you prep and then service and service is like head down, go. But in banquets, the pace is a little bit different. It's like at a constant seven and a half all day long. 
and you got to have this constant pace all day long. And then every now and again, things get chaotic because you run out of something and you got to go. You have this constant feeling of impending doom and banquets that you're going to run out of food. When I was a chef and I'd had banquet banqueting chefs report to me, I had an order and hierarchy or the things that I would say, these are the most important things to make sure that you have a successful catering kitchen. Make sure the food is on time. Make sure you don't run out. Make sure hot food is hot, cold food is cold. Make sure it tastes good. Make sure it looks good. That is basically it in a nutshell. If you can nail all those things, most likely you will have happy banquet customers. Now imagine trying to do that and you have five different menus all going out at the same time and knowing how to time the parties. And I'll tell you what, there's a chef's PFA that I do that says count everything. If you've never worked in a banquet kitchen and someone comes up to you and let's say you're just plating up and it's like, how many carrots do you have? And like, you didn't count the carrots. You're in for... You're in for some problems. You're in for an ugly night. You count everything. Every sheet pan has to be the same amount of chicken, protein, whatever the case may be. The speed rack has to have the same amount of trays on it. You just become extremely efficient and organized when you're working in catering operations. Anyway, I know that sounds like, okay, terrifying. I never want to work in banquets. I learned the most about being a chef while working in catering operations. Not necessarily a cook, but as a chef. Because the organizational skills, the ability to handle multiple things going on, the mental mise en place, as it's called, that all comes from working in a banqueting or catering operation. With all that being said, if I had a choice tomorrow to open my own catering or to open up a restaurant, I'll take the restaurant every day. I enjoy restaurants much more. I enjoy the creative aspect. I enjoy the pace of a restaurant more than I do the pace of a catering operation, even though I was the self-proclaimed best banquet chef. I used to say it. Banquet Chef Magazine, Banquet Chef of the Year, 10 years in a row. One last thing on the subject of banquet and catering, because sometimes I see the comments go back and forth. I don't always engage. I just, sometimes I just sit there with popcorn and let people fight. But the other day I was reading comments back and forth on Chef's PSA and people were talking about needing benefits and PTO, better pay in restaurants. And something to think about is if that's something that you're chasing, if you're chasing benefits, PTO, like hotels have always offered that. And I know there's this thing of hotels are not as creative as freestanding restaurants. And I'm here to argue and maybe dispel that myth. Now, I've been on both ends. I've been a restaurant and I've been a hotel chef. I've been a country club chef. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I've been a chef in many types of settings. And with everything, there are levels. So if you are in a small 200-room hotel, mid-tier, yeah, you probably don't have a lot of creativity on the menu. But at the same time, if you are in a high-luck Mandarin Oriental or Raffles Hotel or Ritz-Carlton in a primary market with a very competitive restaurant, you probably have a ton of freedom and creativity. Just like if you are working in a small mom and pop diner that serves breakfast, do you think that you have more creativity than the person that's the chef at the Ritz Carlton in Hawaii? No, of course not. So the idea of an independent restaurant versus a hotel, sometimes it's about what level you're at. If you're at the type of restaurant that doesn't offer creativity, those exist. There's also hotels that don't offer creativity. On the top end, there's great restaurants, your world's 50 best three Michelin star restaurants 
that are going to offer you a ton of exposure to new things. But there's also hotels that house those restaurants. There's hotels with restaurants that are on the world's 50 best or have been on the world's 50 best. I don't know if all of them are. By the way, did I not nail the Central call out when I said Central would get number one? I'm just saying I did nail it. I said Central would get number one and they did. And the and that was like I was guessing, but the only reason I was guessing is because you know, I've been around the awards game and you, you know how things are going to play out. Uh, I couldn't explain to you because I don't necessarily have a system. It's more like an intuition when you've been around it long enough. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Back to my earlier point. If you are looking for benefits, if you are looking for PTO, hotels have always offered that. Corporate structures usually always have that. So if you're looking for all of that plus the creativity, then what you want to do is you want to work in a high-end place, right? Because those places do have creativity and flexibility and all the benefits that people are looking for, right? I just want to make sure that I'm setting the record straight because a lot of times I feel like there's misinformation based on what said. It's just something that's repeated forever. And if a lie repeated long enough becomes truth. Anyway, that's it for today. Hardest job I've ever had was a banquet chef. Shout out to all the banquet chefs out there. You guys are working hard. Shout out to all the chefs in general. But banquet chefs today, this episode's about you and all the hard work that you do. And don't think it doesn't go unrecognized. And I'm sorry about all the nightmares that you have about running out of food or forgetting to fire the banquet. I haven't. Anyway, if you want to support the show, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you leave five stars, nothing less. Because only good people leave five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, go follow me on Twitter, go get all the books. They are all available on chefspsa.com, which I've newly revamped and revised. Go get the audio books. Leave a review on the books, five stars. Thank you very much. See you next week. Hit the porno music. 